Welcome to Sexy Confidence with Eva, the relationship maker, where we talk about relationships, dating, life, and successes. If you have any questions, go on my website, www.evatherelationshipmaker, and on the right-hand side, on top, there is such a line that says, Ask Eva. It's going to be my pleasure to answer you. My next guest, I think um, it's fulfilling his purpose on this earth. And I don't think he's totally human with everything he achieved. I don't think he has a, a plan B. And let me just tell you a little bit about him. And after I let him maybe uh, talk a little bit more if I, did, if I omitted something. At 14, he had been in an accident and was said that he will never walk, never mind to run. He was a very successful carpenter and he got bored and says, what can I do? So he trained for nine months and he ran a marathon, but not a marathon like everybody else. 100 marathons, 100 day consecutively across America from San Diego to New York. To make it a little bit more interesting, every morning he was giving a, a, a motivational speech for people who were uh, in recovery center, homeless shelters, and basically fulfilling his purpose bigger than him to help people being motivated and see that everything is possible and dreams do come true. He finished his marathon across the country and it's, I had to look it up, it's 2,621 miles. I mean, it's even hard to say it. He was thinking of giving up, but it's no give up. There is no plan B, as I said. And after he says, okay, I did that. Let me do something a little bit different. So he is, he ran over Death Valley, which is one of the hottest place on earth, 100, 17 degrees of 225 and he beat the record with five hours so he's the champion of that uh, of that race uh, he's a motivational speaker if you look behind me i have his book dream big act big and one of the best planners i ever had it's called dream big planner and I want to know if you still have it and you still sell it because I want to have another one. So my guest, if you did not, if you don't know, it's Croy Sather. He's the marathon runner, the Death Valley runner, the motivational speaker, and he also helps companies to, to do better by motivating them. Hi, Croy. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> okay, I had to do it. I, I have been rehearsing. It's not rehearsing, but I was like excited. I listened to some of your um, videos and I was getting into the mood and I'm like, I'm motivated. I won't run, but I'm motivated. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm really good. Thank you. You were living in Costa Rica. You came back to the States. I think you're moving back and forth sometimes. So what you do now? What is your day looks like? Well, with COVID travel, of course, as we all know, is limited. 
there is still travel. I still do travel a little bit, but it's very limited and where I can go and, and how to do that safely and appropriately. Um, I'm just not, I'm not being reckless. I'm, I'm doing it carefully when I do travel, but it's very limited this time. So I ended up renting a lake house in Connecticut, which is close to my family. And uh, you might even be able to see behind me the, the lake. It's frozen over now, so it's cold. And, and anybody who knows me knows that I, I absolutely hate the cold. It is not my favorite thing to do, but being in the world that we live in in the moment, we have to make the best of it. So we can't control everything, of course, but we can control something. So we need to just accept, embrace the things that we can't control and then control the things that we can. So throughout this time here, I've, I've rented out a really, really nice lake house. Um, I was swimming up until just a few weeks ago. The water was 40, 43 degrees last time I swam Fahrenheit. And so that was absolutely brutally cold. But for me, everybody, like, everyone's like, you're nuts, you're crazy. My neighbors are yelling at me, you know, what are you doing in the water? And, but for me, it's, it's kind of like warrior training in a sense. And so it's something that I can control. It's something I can do right now that pushes the limits, that makes my mind stronger, makes my spirit stronger, makes my soul stronger. And it's fun and it's a challenge. And it's one of those things that, that I like to do. So I'm making the most that I can while I'm here. But, but to your point where you're saying before, normally I'm traveling full, I can't say full-time, semi-full-time. I live a hybrid nomadic kind of lifestyle. So I spend some time in the US and the other time I spend in Costa Rica, Colombia, where I spend a lot of my time. Uh, I was in Asia for six weeks last year um, and moving around to all these different places because I've always wanted to see the world. As, as a child, like I can remember being a little boy and the only reading material we really had was an occasional National Geographic magazine. And so I would look through the magazines and I'd see this, these pictures of these African tribes or these tribes in Honduras that haven't seen any white human life, just, you know, they're only within their, their own nucleus. And so I, I saw that and I was like, wow, I wanna do that kind of stuff one day. And of course you become an adult and what happens? You do the adult kind of things, you buy a house, you get married, uh, you have kids, you do all that sort of stuff. And all these dreams sort of go to the wayside. But then at some point, um, and I'm sure we'll get into this, I decided, you know what, I wanted more. And traveling was one of them. And so this is the life I've created that even now I'm still living a, a semi-nomadic lifestyle. But what being I, here isn't so bad. <laughs> what I like about your concept, you don't say what what would I do if I would not fail? But your, your idea is what would I do if I knew I succeed? And that puts such a positive term on, on not thinking about failing at all, but I have to do it and that's it. It's no, no way around it. And people, they give up, they saying the richest place is the cemetery because many dreams have been buried because people give up on it how you keep yourself going, how you keep yourself motivating. It, even for me, who is the guy that speaks to audiences of thousands and, and my, my videos have been viewed over a million times, I still have to motivate myself um, in different ways at different times. But to, to go back to something you said, I wanna make a, a little bit of a clarification. You, you, uh, yes, absolutely, act as if you will succeed. But it's not that I'm not afraid, it's that I take action in, uh, in spite of being afraid. So I have all those fears just like everybody else, except I learn or I figure out ways to take action anyway and do it anyway. Of course, I was scared to run across America. I was scared to death to run across America. All the money that was involved, all the time that was involved, all the training that was involved, what if I did fail? 
Well, you have to accept that. That's a real possibility, but I won't focus on that. And instead I focus on, on the, the outcome that I want, the success I want. So it's a really important thing. It's, it's not that we're, anybody is fearless. There isn't a human on the planet that is fearless unless they, they don't have, literally don't have the psychological normal connections that everybody else does. And there are a few people like that. They just, they're wired very, very differently and not in a good way. And so they don't have the normal emotions that you and I and everyone else would have. So we all have fears, but what is the difference between somebody who has the fear and does it and somebody who has the fear and doesn't do it? And, and that's the big difference. So for me, a couple of the things I do, like I keep a, a YouTube videos on that play on a loop that show very wealthy, um, like cars and houses and boats and vacations and, and things like that. So I have a visual going on. I, I, I don't like to watch the news, even though I do, and you almost can't help it at this point because the world's so insane at the moment. Um, you know, and, and it's side note here, what you watch on TV, CNN, Fox, CNBC, CBS, all those things, they are not news. There's about maybe at most 5% of that is news. And the other 95% is some, uh, trying to think of a nice word, some person. Fear, fear tactics. It's like, yes, it's like brainwashing fear. It's, it's exactly what it is. It's a 95% is opinion by some talking head. And the other only 5% is, is actual news, actual reporting on what's happening. But the rest is fear tactics and it's all extremely biased. So what I do, I, and, and I've got caught up in the same thing. I've got stuck watching the news, especially today in this moment, the United States president, while we're recording this, is getting impeached for the second time. You know, so of course we wanna watch that because it's like watching a car crash. You know, whether, whatever side you're on, it doesn't matter. Whatever country you're from, it almost doesn't matter. We want, you can't help but to look at the car crash as you drive by. But what I do instead is put on podcasts or I put on the YouTube videos or I put on some documentary. And so I, I force the negative out of my life as much as I can. I keep up on news and I have to keep up what's going on. I'm not sure that's even total, totally necessary, but I do the other part of it as much as I can have where it's some sort of motivational, optimistic, empowering sort of, of um, voice or audio or video. And if you hear some groaning, that's not me groaning. <laughs> I have two puppies. <laughs> so cute. And, and they're right by my feet here and, and they're playing together. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. You know- So don't, don't think like I'm breathing heavy or anything. This is, oh this no, 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 I'm not thinking that. I can see you, so I know you are not. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's- um, I have never met a person who has a strongest mind that yours, mindset that yours. I have been, I met lots of people, but I was thinking about when you went where uh, the Death Valley and after three days you said, okay, I give up and something switched in you and you said, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm going to go back and I'm going to do the, the race. And people who don't know, your brother died after when you finished uh, your marathon, the first one. And um, you were talking about that blue butterfly that shows up and gives, gives you the strength. And why I'm mentioning that, that blue, blue butterfly has such a meaning in, not just in your life, but I met a, a, a gentleman, his name is David Maringer. He was 10 years old, he was diagnosed with uh, brain cancer. And uh, 
his only wish was before he dies to see the blue butterfly. They made a movie after, the, after him also. And when he, the blue butterfly appeared, he healed. He said, I know I'm healed. And I met him in 2006, I believe, after the movie was done. So tell me a little bit about that feel when you, when that blue butterfly appeared in front of you. What was in your mind? Did you know it's, you're going to make it? So when, when I was training to run across America, so here's the actual step back a little bit more because this is important for everybody listening to understand is that before one year before I ran across America, I wasn't a runner. I wasn't even a, particularly even any kind of an athlete. I exercised a little bit, but in really nothing. So essentially I was a non-athlete and with only one year of training, I decided to run across America. And the reason that that's important is because while the run is amazing and it's incredible, I get that. And it's almost hard to believe. Even for me, sometimes I think about, you know, I ran a marathon a day from San Diego, California to New York. You know, I think about that sometimes like, holy cow, that that's unbelievable. But it's not about the run. It's not about what I did. It's about following my dream. It was about doing more than I ever thought was possible. And it was going after the most crazy thing I could possibly think of. Yeah, I had heard about a guy who ran across America. I'm like, oh my God, that is so amazing. And as you mentioned before, you know, I was, that was when I was transitioning from carpenter to becoming an author, a speaker, expert sort of personality. And so that was in my transition. I was like, what am I going to do? And I had heard about it. And I was like, okay, so that's it. So I start training. I'm, uh, I don't know, I'm seven, eight, nine months into the training. I'm getting really close to leaving California to for my run. And that's when I get a call from my dad and my dad calls me up and he says, your, your, your brother, he's dead. I'm like, Darren, how can Darren be dead? He's only 43 years old. And he's like, get down here now. And, you know, through my dad's tears. And, and so we go down to the hospital and my brother had a heart attack, uh, just, just gone. There was, you know, nothing you could do. It was just one of those, those things. And so while I was training, running then became my therapy. And so had I not had running already in my life at that moment, I don't know if I would have been able to transition losing my brother, who was my hero all my life. I don't think I would have been able to manage that nearly as well. And so I would run and I would run a lot and it gave me enthusiasm and motivation and inspiration, um, kind of out of a negative way, out of, a, out of loss, uh, as well as the inspiration of doing what I wanted to do. So it's, it's a matter, I know we all go through things, um, we talked about the accident I had when I was 14 years old, where the doctors say I shouldn't be alive. You know, we all go through things. We can't change those things, but we can decide on how we're going to interpret those, uh, those events in our life. And so I chose to let my brother live on through me. And so in the eulogy, I gave the talk about the butterfly effect. So the butterfly effect is the scientific idea that when a butterfly flaps its wings, it, that tiny little subtle motion of moving one air mo molecule, bumping into another air molecule, bumping into another air molecule, that tiny little current, say here in America, can create a storm that can reach Africa. Uh -huh. And so this is, this is proven scientific evidence here of, of how tiny little things can affect really big dramatic things. And so I use that eulogy, use that metaphor at my brother's eulogy um, but the idea of it was that the molecules that he put into motion, 
that throughout all his life, because he was a happy-go-lucky guy, always wanted to know how you were doing, how your kids were doing, no matter how much pain he was in, and he had a lot of tragedy and trauma in his life. He always was, he always cared about you and how you were doing. And so his the molecule, air molecules he moved through his life affected a lot of people, making their life better in some little way. We'll never know how those molecules changed. But I know from knowing my brother, how he lived his life, that those, he did make change throughout the world. And so I chose through his passing that he would live on through me, at least in some certain level of, of being that happy personality. I was happy before that, but then I embraced his happiness and became even happier and made that part of my life. And then decided to, to run with him, metaphorically, of course, as I was running across America. So I would often run, I would think about him as I was running. I would often cry when I was running. Um, I would get to like a beautiful sunset or the end of a marathon at the end of the day or a new city. And, and I would talk to my brother as, as I was running. And you know, he's not there physically, but he's still there with me. And so when I was, I ran across America, I completed that, ran a hundred, ran a marathon a day for a hundred days across America one more year of training and then I'm running through Death Valley. And so Death Valley is the hottest place on the planet and it's considered the hardest foot race on the entire planet. 146 miles from the lowest point to the highest point in the United States, continental United States. And I'm pushing a cart that's filled with food, water and supplies because this run is 146 miles without assistance from anyone. So I got to push this cart that we, we called it the, the good humor cart. So the ice cream cart. So, you know, kind of the joke because that's sort of what it looked like. And, and funny thing is that it, it was, I don't know, two in the morning or something on my first night, a car stopped and asked to buy an ice cream. Some <laughs> Europeans, I, uh, I, I think they were Danish or, or Swedish, I forget. But they, they, they have that beautiful European accent. And then they asked me if, if they could buy an ice cream. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> You know, I started to think about hallucinating because <laughs> this is like, I don't know, 18, 19, 20 hours after I started running. Yeah. <laughs> of nowhere, like literally nowhere, Death Valley. And some, some three young guys are asking me for an ice cream. <laughs> I still wonder sometimes if I had hallucinated that or if it really happened, but I'm pretty sure it did. Mm -hmm. But when I, I started to run that race, the Death Valley race, um, the the first time I started it, I got 11 miles in and I started feeling heat exhaustion already and I, and I started to vomit. And then I get tw uh, 21 miles in and I could feel the heat exhaustion coming on harder. And now I expected this to happen, but I didn't expect it to happen for 12 or 14, 15 hours in. You know, I didn't expect that for 70, 80 or 90 miles before I would start feeling this, but I'm feeling this right away and I'm going downhill really, really quick. I'm not feeling good at all. And so by the time I get to 32 miles, I have to take an unplanned rest. And by the time I get to 45 miles, I'm hours and hours behind schedule. And I have to make a decision. Do I keep going? You know, the guy who never quits. Do I keep going or, or do I quit? I can't beat the record at this point because I'm too far behind schedule. And so what do I do? Do I finish it anyway or, or do I just pack it up? And so I decided just to pack it up. And because it was, there was no chance of me doing it with or without the cart, there was no chance of me even finishing the course because I felt that bad. And so I get into the van with the, um, the videographer that I had there and we're driving back to Las Vegas and he starts yelling at me like, how can you quit? You're the guy who spoke to tens of thousands of people. You know, at that time, that's all it was, was you know, tens of thousands. Um, and he's like, how can you quit? You're the guy that tells everybody never give up, never give up your dreams. I'm so effing disappointed in you. I, and he's just going on, he's going. And this is like a normally a calm, 
easygoing, chill guy, and he's freaking out on me. And he's right. But sometimes I realize is that you have to take a step back to be able to succeed. Sometimes life will throw you something that's so severe that you can't go forward in that moment, but it doesn't mean you're out of the game. It just means that you have to recalibrate and, and figure out how you can do it again. So we go back to Las Vegas. Um, I get back to the air conditioning. I start feeling good. And I, I tell Josh, the short story of it is I tell Josh, we're going back. And we're going back three days from now. So 72 hours later, I'm back, not at mile 45 or 32 or 21 or 11. I'm back at mile zero, starting the whole race over again. So it's just me. It's a race against the clock. So it's just me and the finish line and the clock. And that's the only three things that, that matter is, you know, can I do it in the, and beat the world record? Which at that time was, um, gosh, I don't remember. It was uh, like 86 hours or something. The, the current record at that time. So I get to the start line. This time there's no media. There's no fans. There's nobody there. It's just me and my videographer and that's it. And so I'm at mile zero and I start. And I get to mile 11, the same place that I was throwing up. I was literally puking on my sneakers. And the same place that I was throwing up is where I see this little blue butterfly. And it's a beautiful blue butterfly, kind of like a blue monarch butterfly that has no reason to be in Death Valley. These aren't the kind of animals that are there. The only thing that's in Death Valley are scorpions and rattlesnakes essentially. But yet this little blue butterfly comes up, flutters in front of me for a few seconds and then flies away. After my brother's eulogy, my sister calls me up three weeks later and she says, I'm going to get a, uh, a tattoo in memory of Darren. You know, will you come with me? So we go to the tattoo parlor and, and on her, her uh, right shoulder, she gets a, a, a tattoo of a blue butterfly, the same kind of butterfly that I saw in Death Valley. And so, whoa, girls, girls, the, the, the dogs are knocking over the camera. <laughs> And so when I'm in Death Valley, I see this little blue butterfly and I talk to it and I say, hey, never quit. Because he was one of the people who taught me that no matter what, you never quit. You get back up and you do it again and again and again until you get the, the success that you want. And so I start moving, you know, I'm with my brother again. So he's not gone. You know, he's, he's there with me. He's not there physically, but he's still there in energy and in vibration. And whatever your religious beliefs are, you know, he's there with me in some form or fashion. And so I get to mile 22, 32, mile 45. I'm way ahead of schedule this time, ahead of the schedule that I had ever planned that I would be able to. Couldn't believe how fast I was going. I go down the valley and then I come back up the valley and I get to the top and then eventually get to the peak of Death Valley, the peak of um, Mount Whitney. 14,505 feet is the finish line. Wow. I take a picture of the medallion that's on top of the rock that signifies the, the actual point, the highest point in America. And I take a picture of my watch with that medallion. And the time of, was uh, 72 hours and 55 minutes. Wow. So the wow. question is, is, does it matter if I broke the world record or not? No. It's great if I did, but that's not what's most important. The most important thing is I didn't give up. The most important thing is I followed my dreams. The most important thing is I, I'm creating a life that I want to create. But I ended up crushing the world record by almost five hours. Incredible. And this is from a guy who two years earlier was my brother. And the thing is, yeah, physically, it's it sounds like almost 
impossible because physically, you know, like you only so much the body can do. But I don't think it's anymore about the physics, but it's everything. It's about the mental state, about, about the drive, right? They say, you hear things like 80% is showing up, 90% is mental. And that's all true. It's actually probably more like 99% is mental because if you can't do it here first, you know, you're not going to sit down and write the book. You're not going to get, you're not going to start a podcast. You're not going to quit your job that you hate to go find a job that you love. You're not going to leave a bad marriage or, or you're not going to go ask somebody out on a first date. It's always a hundred percent in your mind for anything to happen in your life. So that's why if you, you've got to work on yourself first before anything else can happen in life. But most people don't realize that. People We're not taught that in school. We're not taught that. People, I just want to think. People don't realize, as you said, that if you are not whole, how you can be in a relationship? Because what can you give? You always expect people to, to uh, fulfill you, to uplift you. So as you said, you are so right about that. How you maintain a relationship by traveling left and right and uh, going all over the place? How you keep it? To be very, very frank, um, relationships are a little bit interesting and challenging for me, uh, in part because of the way I travel. But that's not what the, the hard part is. The hard part for me is is finding a person that embraces that kind of lifestyle that I want to live. Um, everybody loves the idea, oh, you travel the world, that must be so amazing. But then once you start doing it, you realize it isn't all glamour and Hollywood. It's, it's a lot of work and scheduling and planning and money and, and living a different kind of lifestyle and having your family uh, asking you about, you know, how can you live like that? Why don't you just buy a house and settle down? Why don't you get married and settle down? I don't want to settle down. I want to level up. I want every year of my life to be a little better than the year before, every decade to be dramatically better than the decade before. And I, I refuse to settle down. I don't like, I hate that phrase. I absolutely hate that phrase because it means to me, that means you're giving up. Even if you're um, a traditional relationship where you're married, you have a house, you never travel other than maybe vacation, you should still not be settling down. You should be leveling up your marriage. You should be leveling up everything about you and your life so that it's getting a little bit better. Because if you're not growing, you're dying. There is no stagnant. There's nothing stays stagnant. It grows or it dies. And that's it. It's either moving up or down. And so if you're not growing in your relationship, well, then by default, you're dying. And then you're either going to end up in a divorce or you're going to end up in a relationship that you're not happy with. Neither one of you are happy with. And so what kind of life is that? And that's sadly is the majority of people. Yeah. They stay in a relationship they don't like, or they stay in a relationship that they refuse to put the work in to make it better. I'm not saying you should go get divorced, but I'm saying you should put the effort in to make sure if you do get divorced, that is the right choice. But a lot of people give up way without putting the work in and, and get divorced too quickly. Everybody thinks that it's like, like life. It's easier if I just move on and they don't do the work. It's, uh, I'm going to be successful, but I don't have to do the work. I think business and relationship, it's such a close idea because you do have to have a goal. You have to uh, negotiate. You have to have communication open. So it's not that people think it's, oh, I'm, I'm in love. No, you're not. 
you are infatuated. Love comes first uh, later on, maybe down the line, 10 years from now, because it's something very different. And I think whoever is going to be with you has to be also willing to grow, has to be willing to accept your lifestyle. Maybe she, they can, maybe she cannot travel, but you want to travel. So is she prepared for four months or three months to let you go? Right? Well, that's, that's just it. Women tend to be more security-based personalities, generally speaking than men are. Men, men tend to, or at least especially me, tend to be adventurous. I can, if, if somebody called me up tomorrow, say, hey, we're going to Thailand. And if we could get there at the moment, you know, I'd be packing my bags right now and I, I would go. So it's finding a person that embraces that, which there are people that do that, but they've also got to be growth oriented. They've also got to be spiritually oriented and, and some other critical things that are important for me and for us to get along. I, I realized that my personality and being on stage and, and the traveling that I do for business as well as, as just lifestyle is different. Mm -hmm. And so that eliminates, gosh, probably at least nine out of 10 people that potentially would be a fit because nine out of 10 people think it's glamorous and for a month or two, it's exciting, but then like, oh my God, no, I need to, I need like normality in my life. And for me, this is normal. This is my life for me to be here in this home for six months is unnormal for me because to be anywhere more than say three months is unnormal for me. So, and, and I get bored. I'm, I'm three months into this lease on this, this lakefront home. And, and I'm like, Oh gosh, I need to move. <laughs> you feel like I'm boxed in. You are not, you are like, like the butterfly. You have to be let out and fly or like a bird. You cannot be boxed in, caged in. It doesn't. The, the, reality, the, the reality is, is that humanity in general are very nomadic people. If you go back and look through history of almost every single culture on the entire planet, mm -hmm. every one of them just about was nomadic at one time because that's how they survived by, by the seasons and going where the food was or the better weather was or moved for other reasons. Sometimes they moved for spiritual reasons. You know, they, were, they were following a, a preset spiritual course. And so they, they moved for that reason. So this idea of being stable and staying in one place there's nothing wrong with it, but that's a construct we've created in modern times. It's, it's, not, it's actually not our normal way to go. Humans are designed to move. Maybe not as much as me, but they're designed to move. I knew another carpenter. I knew another carpenter who was very uh, well known around the world and he still followed and uh, they listened to his motivations. Do you know who I'm talking about? <laughs> 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 you know, <laughs> yep. yeah. well, that's what happens. So how does your ideal woman looks like? Ideal woman? Yep. As beautiful inside as she is outside. Um, and, and I really mean that. If, if there isn't a genuine joy and a genuine thriving to, to live a great life, a fun life, then it's, it's just, it's not gonna work out. Um, as, as you know, as we were talking about earlier, most people like to watch the news and be involved with, with these sorts of things and talking about what the neighbors did and, and all this other thing. So people, at least in, in our current technolo technological world, we tend to dr be driven towards the negative stuff. It's easier, you know, oh my God, did you hear what, what Johnny down the street did? You know, it's easy to talk about that stuff and that's okay. 
as long as that's not your center of gravity. The center of gravity for me needs to be genuinely happy and, and thrilled to be alive. I, several times I know I've come too close to not being here to, to understand how important every moment literally is. And so I don't know if I'll be here in a year or two or 50 from now or 100 from now. I, I don't know. There's nothing promised. I can't control that. But I can control what I do every day. And I, and I need to be around somebody who is as thrilled to be alive as I am. That, that's really, really important. Someone who's, who's smart. Doesn't have to be a PhD or anything like that, but, but smart and driven to become a better person. You know, doing their own inner work to grow and to become better. And then also somebody who's independent to the, to the extent of that they're their own person, as you were saying in the very, very beginning, to be whole on their own. Because how can a marriage be strong if each person isn't whole on their own? Yeah, we have challenges. We all have challenges. Nobody's perfect. Everybody's screwed up in some way or another. Yeah. <laughs> but you've got to be essentially whole in the sense that you can work through your problems and you can figure it out and you can move towards being more mentally, emotionally, and spiritually healthy than you were yesterday or last year or last decade. And so those are the kinds of things that are, are super important to me. And of course, somebody who's flexible in lifestyle who wants to, to travel the world. Yeah. Now, I don't want you to think like, at times I have traveled literally like a different place every few days. I have had a few months of that where I've done that. Literally, I've just moved from a new place to new place to new place, uh, just to see America, to see Asia. I did those sort of things. But those are short-term trips. Normally, I'm someplace for say three months, four months, um, and I may come back to the US and I'll go back to the same place. And so it's not like, I, I mean, I have stability in my life, but I'm part-time in Colombia, I'm part-time in Mexico, I'm part-time in the US, I'm part-time in, in other places. Places that I love to be. This year is gonna be Spain once borders start opening up. I'm gonna to go to Spain and Portugal and Cyprus and Sicily and, and I'm gonna go hang around in the Mediterranean for, I don't know, four, five, six months. Because I can, I, I've created my lifestyle to be able to do it. And that's the important part. It's not to brag about, oh, wow, look at the lifestyle this guy has. Rah, 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 rah. You know, lucky him. It's not about that. I've created this. I've worked my ass off for this thing. I mean, it's, it's been, gosh, what are we in now? Probably 13, 14 years that I've worked to get to this point where I work remotely and I have income that comes in that's, that's semi-automatic where I can go a week or two or a month without working if I need to and not have to worry about it. You know, and, and all I have to do is have Wi-Fi and a laptop and I could work. I created that. I was a carpenter. I was swinging a hammer every day. I did that for almost 20 years from when I was 15 years old to when I was 35. I was swinging a hammer in these cold New York winters that are brutal when you're outside. I paid my dues. I deserve every bit that I have. In fact, we all deserve everything we have. Because what you have today is the result of what you did yesterday and all your yesterdays before that. You want something different tomorrow, do something different today. Well, I, it's, even now you're working. It's not that you are sitting and you are not doing anything. It's, oh, of course. The hammer was the hammer. Now you're using a different hammer. You're using your mind as a tool. It's, it's my mind and, and my keyboard and my mouth. And your mouth. <laughs> I run my mouth a lot. <laughs> um, what is that in, oh my God, I wanted last year to go, I was also, I was sick and they said, okay, this, this much you have, uh, this much time you have on earth, I don't believe them and I'm still okay. I wanted to go uh, to do the, um, what is that trail that you do in Spain? It's uh, with the sea, um, God, I don't remember it. 
Is that the, a, the Camino Camino yeah. del something? Yeah, Camino yeah, yeah. Del Angel or something like that? Yeah, it's it's very spiritual, and you have a, a seven day, or you have the whole trail with it, which is really long. Yeah, I think it's I think it's like uh, forty or fifty days of walking. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. So, do you intend to do anything about it? You intend to uh, see if you can. El Camino, um, El Camino. El Camino, yeah, the, the path or the way, one or the other. Um, you know, I'd like to do that. I've, I have one friend who's done that and I couldn't say enough of how amazing it was. But at this moment, that's, that's not what I'm after. Um, I'm focused more on work and creating the lifestyle that I want to, more of the lifestyle that I want to create because I'm not quite where I want to be. There are things that I still want to accomplish. And so I need to be semi-focused. But I still want to see more of the world. I'm looking for, now I'm starting to look for several places in the world that I can call home. So of course there'll be some place in my birth country of the United States. And there'll be some place probably out in the Mediterranean and who knows if that'll be Spain or Portugal or, or Italy, um, someplace out there. And then maybe someplace in South America and possibly someplace in Asia. Okay. So that way I have places that are home and I could go spend one or two or three months there at a time and just go from place to place to place and see the world. So I'm, I'm, in, I'm seeking my future homes at the moment, as well as building my business. So yeah. to take two months off to walk a trail, yes, I would absolutely, absolutely love to do that, but not right now. No, no. But, and also you're seeking a partner who would be uh, by your side or, uh, or support you or to be with you in, and be on the same platform as you are, right? That would be, that would be ideal, yeah. Yeah. And, and this, is, this is probably something important to, to mention, too, because there's probably a, a lot of single people listening to this, mm -hmm. um, single that are later in their life, like we are, and, and thinking, oh, my gosh, this is, you know, dating again now, you know, I'm 40, I'm 50, I'm 60, whatever. Um, and I get that because sometimes it's, the, it's so great being single. And then other times it's like, oh, my gosh, this is horrible. <laughs> but I, I'm happy being single. I'm happy being by myself. I like my quiet time now. I didn't in the beginning, but I do now. In fact, I crave it now. So even when I am in a relationship, it'll have to be important to both of us that we have moments that we're alone. You know, and, and that could, I don't know if that means together in the same house or if we're like, we go for a week, uh, it's like, you know, if one person goes see their family or whatever. But there's times that I just need some quiet time to be with me and meditate and work on myself and not to be with other people, but literally to be with me. Um, I hear you. I, I, I kind of like my own company. <laughs> not always, but often. <laughs> but listen, so, if you don't like your own company, how you can expect some people to like your company, some other people? Absolutely. You know, you, you have to, I think with age and don't start boxing in 50, 60, age has nothing to do with anything. I think, um, when we get to a point that we can sit still for a moment, it's already a big achievement. And I think people who live their own lives in full, as you do, they don't have time to gossip about neighbors, about anybody, but they, the only, uh, only, thing they, only time they have is to set goals. So it's absolutely perfect. I think if, if somebody, is that open-minded and I'm sure there are other ladies open-minded and you are very good looking 
you are very successful, you are very determined. Ladies, give me a shout or give him a shout. <laughs> you can. <laughs> so, yeah. but the, the point, point I was making before is that there's this, this negative connotation to being single, especially for women, probably more so for women. There's this negative connotation to that. There is nothing wrong with being single. There's nothing wrong with never getting married in your life or never getting remarried in your life. There's whatever is right for you is right for you. And it doesn't matter what your parents say, your friends say, your community say, the people online say. What's, what you do, creating the life that you want that makes you happy. And if that's being single, great. If that's being married, great. If that's being together with someone and never getting married, that's great too. It doesn't matter. Live the way you want to live and create the life you want to create because every sort of social construct we have is, is something that's been developed over time that's just accepted by most people, but it doesn't mean it's right. Just because everybody gets married doesn't mean it's right for every person. There's, there's, I, was, I was in Colombia, uh, South America, and I'm, I was uh, hanging out with some Germans and we had just met. It was a bunch of guys who were also living the nomadic lifestyle, digi working digitally online. And so when you're in a community like Medellin, Colombia, you meet all the other people from around the world that live in the same similar kind of lifestyle. And so it's really easy to meet people from all over the world. So that night, particular night, we're in a, um, a Mexican style restaurant, which down there, the restaurants are all open. There are no doors or anything. It's just wide open to the outside and because the weather's perfect all year round. And we're out there, we're, we're having fun, we're talking, we're learning, I'm learning about their life in Germany and they're learning about my life and why we all came to Medellin and why we're living here. And I was talking about how, you know, I can look at a person and I can pretty much tell you what that person does. Generally speaking, I can tell you if they're married, if they're happy with their job, um, often to tell you what country they live in, sometimes even what section of the country they live in, because I've met so many people and I, I could see the patterns. And so he said, he's like, I don't believe you. He's like, okay, so pick somebody out. I'll tell you the story and then we'll go ask them. We'll see how accurate I am. And so this young guy's like, that couple over there. So I watched the couple for a minute or two from, I don't know, 50 feet away. So we weren't right next to them. I was watching them from a distance. And they were, they were older-ish, um, probably late 50s, I'm guessing. So they, they weren't like a young couple, which is typical in Medellin. So they were an older couple, white, um, clearly not from uh, South America anywhere because they were much too white skinned, but they didn't look European. So it was like, a, they're from America. They're probably from the Southern half of, of America, probably the Southwest, I'm guessing. And I says, and they just started dating within the last year. So we go over and we start talking to the couple and we're getting along great. And they were from, I forget where it was, but it was the Southwest and they're from the US. And, but I did get one thing wrong. They weren't dating for one year. They, they've been together for, I think it was like 30 years. Wow. And I was like, wait a minute. You guys are falling all over each other. You're kissing each other in the restaurant. You can't keep your hands off each other. You're acting like a brand new couple. What are you doing that, that you're, because I assumed that you were single and you had just met within the last year. And so the guys, the, the woman starts telling me her story, the story, and then the guy's just laughing. I was like, okay, why are you laughing? What's going on here? It's like, because we've been together 28 years, but we never got married. Living together, living like married couples, but never got married. And they're happy and they're thrilled and they travel the world. They both have regular jobs in the US and they accumulate their vacation time and they go places for a couple weeks at a year, a couple times a year. And this is how they live their life. So who's to say marriage is, is right? They were clearly happier than most married couples I know I've ever met. 
And so maybe that's right. Or maybe it's right to get married. It doesn't, the point is it doesn't matter. Do what makes you and whoever's in your life happy. It's an institution. Marriage is an institution. It's good if you have kids uh, sometimes, but really I love my life now. And being, um, being married, it's like, if it doesn't work, you are always, um, you are always complaining. You are always unhappy. It doesn't make sense. It's like, be free, be happy. It's like, that's it. I, 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 I certainly would get married again if I met, when I meet the person that, that I'm certain that would somebody I'd be with. Because at this point now, I know enough about people, psychology and my own experiences in life that I would know when it was, okay, this is gonna work. Or if it's not gonna work, then, then you get out of the relationship. Um, so I would certainly get married again. I have no issues with marriage whatsoever. I don't have any problems. I'm not against marriage. I'm not against being single. I'm not against being married, but uh, being together, but not married. What I'm against is doing something that is not in line with who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, so if that's being single, great. If that's being married, great. If that's just being living with somebody, great. If that's being with another woman or another man, great. I don't care, but do what's in alignment with you. That's what bothers me is that, that we have this humanity, culturally speaking, this is almost universal across every culture on the planet virtually, as far as I know, is that we are taught to accept less than we should have. We're taught to accept good enough. And we're taught this from tiny little babies that we should be good enough, we should be happy with what we have, we shouldn't be greedy, quote unquote greedy, uh, we shouldn't expect more, we shouldn't have more than other people, it's more spiritual to be broke than it is to be wealthy, which isn't true. It isn't true at all. God wants you to be wealthy. And if you're wealthy, that's a blessing from God, whatever you believe God is. And so, but we have all these constructs that we're supposed to be unhappy. I think that's all BS. I think our constructs should be do whatever makes you happy, assuming that it's, you know, it's legal, it's legitimate. You're not hurting anybody, including yourself, you know, that you're living a good life. And so I think we should have more of everything we want as long as we're a good person doing good in the world. Nobody can live your life. And as you said, you don't know how long we have. Life is unexpected. We never, like all this fear, I don't understand because when your life is up, is up, you nothing you can do. And if you're meant to live, you're going to live. But really nobody lives your life. Nobody pays your taxes, nobody pays anything. So I don't know, I never understand um, the involvement, even of parents in, or, or the kids in parents' life. I think um, it's just, we are, we are born alone, we die alone. And I think we make the decisions alone and that's the best way to live because you are true to yourself. You have to, you have to be true to yourself, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. And, and if that means that some people will be disappointed or not agree with it. So that's their journey, not yours. And it's, and it's not to be like, oh, well, I don't care what you think. Of course, we all care what our, the people, our family and friends think. It's not about that, but it's about living what make, what's true to you, living your true north and going in the direction of your goals and dreams. And then the people who are meant to be with you will be with you. And there's, there's also no rule, because I, I know a lot of people, every client I've ever had has this going on in their life or have had this going in their life, that there's a family member that is, is a thorn in their side because it's, it's a mom, it's a dad, it's a sister, brother, whoever, that is 
constantly telling them how wrong they're living their life and that they're doing things wrong. And yeah, that they're doing things wrong in that person's perspective of the world. But that doesn't matter. You don't have to stay connected with family if they're being toxic. You don't have to stay connected with family if they're being abusive. You don't have to stay connected with anybody if they're not supporting and helping you grow. It doesn't mean divorce them altogether, but keep your space in a way that's healthy for those people who are toxic in your life. And if the person who's toxic is somebody that's very intimate to you, like a, a spouse or a parent, then you have to do something to fix that or, or get out because there, there's no reason to have anybody toxic in your life, even if they're blood. It's so interesting. I'm going to go back just one thing at um, your book and um, we're going to finish it up soon. Um, here are some main strategies to being world-class loser and there are more <laughs> strategies to be a successful. And actually to be a loser, it's so much work. You, you mentioned 23 uh, ideas of how to be a loser and it's only nine to be successful. So that doesn't give you an idea what is easier and where you should step. I don't know what would. It's like, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Do you still sell those, uh, those uh, planners? At, at the moment, I do not. The, the planner is out of production at the moment. I still have a few more uh, um, pages, so I'm going to lose, use it up. I stopped at one point. Certain things came in my life that I didn't want to deal with. But yeah, now it's different. By the way, if you would like to hire Croy as a speaker or you are giving some, um, some um, uh, workshops, Bulletproof Mind, High Performance Productivity, Dream Big Life, and Social Media and Business. I'm going to leave everything written on my, on my podcast. And um, I read this and I really love this one. It says, are the, uh, there are those who teach, there are those who live it, and there is Croy. I love that. <laughs> I think it's so perfect. So, um, well, when are you going to take off again? Soon or not? You don't know? Uh, from the time we're recording this podcast, it will be about three months. So the end of April, my, my lease is up. Okay. And um, it, it'll be right after my daughter's birthday. So I'll be here through her birthday. And then usually I go away for the winter because I can't stand the cold and I come back for her birthday. This year will be a little bit different, but we'll still be in a little bit of a weird transition in the world. So mm -hmm. travel won't be fully open by the summer, although it'll be starting to open. It should be anyway. It yes. looks that way. Um, but either way, it's, it's even if I stay within the U.S., there's, mm -hmm. there's a couple of places in the U.S. I'd really like to see that I think I would potentially like to make home. Asheville, North Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina, are two amazing places. Um, Jacksonville, Florida keeps popping up for some reason. Many people moved to Florida. I just uh, heard this morning. I like North Miami area, but I, I don't know if I want to be in, in that tropical of a climate all year round. I would like to go back to Austin, Texas. So worst case scenario is if, if travel isn't open, I will be able to drive around the United States and, and uh, be, be uh, smart and cautious about traveling here. Good. Um, but for your listeners too, if they, they go to my website, uh, just go to croysaver.com, 
right on the homepage there, there's, there's a couple of things that they can get for free. There's some audios they can get for free. There's some programs they can get for free. And so there's ways that they can sign up. And if any of your audience has a podcast and they want to have me reach out to me too. And there's, I've, I've actually been, this is, this is kind of interesting. And, and for the people who are business owners on, that are listening, they may find this interesting for the last couple of years, I've been sort of underground in a way I've been, I've been out of the public eye. Things changed in the speaking world, especially in this year. And so the, and I've been focusing on my online business. And so the, I've been doing a lot of things very, very, very successfully that nobody's really heard of, which is kind of cool in a way. So I've been building my, my automated income on its side. So I've been kind of out of the public eye for a while. So now I'm getting back into podcasts and doing interviews and shows and videos and audios that you'll, everybody will start seeing soon. So everything I've been working on for almost the past two years is, is going to finally come to light, which, which is exciting. So, and that talks about this whole thing where we're in lockdown. We can't leave the house. We can't travel, all this other stuff but we can control what we can control. And so when this all started and I had to leave Mexico City, which is where I was living at the moment, I had to leave Mexico City to come back to the US. I made a decision on the flight coming home. It's like, this sounds like I'm gonna be in one place for a long time without, having, without being able to leave pretty much for anywhere. Coffee shops are closed, restaurants closed, everything's closed. So essentially I'm gonna be home for six months or so. Turns out to be, it's a year now. Yeah, I but know. I decided I'm going to make the best out of this and I'm going to work, I'm going to stay focused and I'm going to write and I'm going to get things done. You got to choose to make the best out of what you can. Excuse me, girls, shh. They're so wrestling right here. They are agreeing. Mojito and Storm. <laughs> they are agreeing with you. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they want to be on camera too. Yeah. Their you know, last time Mojito I saw and, and Storm. Last time I saw it was 2016. Oh my God long time ago it's going to be five years incredible yeah yeah it's been i, I just talked to our friend colin um over the holidays yeah he's doing well he's uh he did some uh, some uh, webinars he started doing it uh, when everything hit the fan and uh yeah it, it's, it's it's a great it's a great example a guy who had a a huge huge live seminar business was able to, to shift gears and go completely online within a few weeks and make it work. And from what I understand, it's working out better than it had in the past in, in a lot of ways. And so a business that could have easily went under and, and completely wiped them out, he was able to shift and make the best out of it, which turned out to be better than the way it was before. The choice to do whatever we wanna do with our lives. And it's okay, it's okay to panic in the moment and it's okay to, cry or, or um, grieve in the moments when we go through difficult things, perfectly fine. But then get you, back up on you your live feet. Can little puppy? Live the little puppy. <laughs> hey, girls. Ugh. They're getting kind of big. They're not so little anymore. Oh my God, they're so cute. Hi. This one, this one, is, this one is Storm. Storm. <laughs> and this one, fix your ear, fix your ear. This one is Mojito. Oh. They are adorable. They are sister Australian shepherd. You have good company. They are very smart, yes. supposedly. They're, they're actually gonna be for my kids. Uh, they had a dog, I had a dog back when we were married and they, of course, the dog stayed at their house. And then the dog, and then she passed away in January. Mm -hmm. And so we waited a few months and then I ended up getting these guys, I'm training them. 
Um, and then they're going to end up living with my kids okay. as when I start traveling again. Well, you're going to miss them, but they're going to be happy I will. to see you back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will miss them. They, they are a lot of fun. You need a teacup puppy that you put in your pocket and you can travel with. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> and, it's and, not. and these guys go for a run with me every day. I don't do crazy distances anymore, but I run about two or three miles every day. And they run with me. And so they go out with me every day. I have them trained to, to be off the leash and always stay next to me when we're running. So I've been training them since the very first day I got them. And, and they do fantastic. And they have more energy than I do. <laughs> well, it happens. <laughs> they have four legs, don't forget, and they are young. <laughs> this is true. Thank you so much. I so appreciate that you took the time. And I can't wait to put this podcast up. I wish you all the best, your kids, your, and lots of success this year. So I'm going to see you on, on Facebook still when you're traveling and yeah, we keep, we still stay in touch. Okay. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Okay. Thank you so much and good luck with everything. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, there is no happiness without love. Love yourself first. Love your partner. Until next time. Goodbye.